and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 471. That's right. We've got a couple of different things to talk about tonight. Mostly feedback, but a couple of other things to touch on. Uh, guys, look, Green Lantern 12 is delayed yet again. Uh, so Yeah, when is that coming out? I think like April 12th, I think. Really? You got pushed back that far? I'm pulling it up now. Uh, I am. Because ironically, Ken actually asked me about that this week. I was pretty sure it was delayed, but I didn't know when, so I didn't want to give it any Well, I mean, I, I'm, I, I know Dan tweeted about it, so I'm trying to remember what Dan said in his tweet. But uh, yeah, Green Lantern 12. 12 yes, it. April 12th. So basically a month, give or take. But in the meantime, we're going to talk about some other things. Uh, what are we going to talk about first? So we're going to talk about and I don't think we're playing playing these on in the episode. We're just going to be giving our thoughts on them. We're going to talk about the Ms. Marvel trailer. We're going to talk ever. Well, this may take probably this will take long, longer, potentially more than the uh, Ms. Marvel talk. We're going to talk about WB once again, shifting pretty much their entire movie schedule. And we're going to talk about the Obi-Wan trailer. And then after that, we're going to roll into feedback and we're going to we're doing your email in completion today ken we have a little bit more feedback after that and then chad has something he wants to uh, an announcement chad wants to make so that is the blueprint the itinerary for today's episode for sure all right so uh miss marvel first up the disney plus series what, what did you think of the, the trailer that dropped what it was just yesterday right yeah i think i think it was yesterday now i have no i'm gonna odd place for this trailer because i have no ties to the comic book character whatsoever so on one level that puts me not in the target audience but in, in another level it may put me right dead in the target audience from the mcu perspective since the majority of moviegoers mcu fans who are not 100 diehard comic book fans probably have no idea never even heard of kamala khan so just so my base my judgment on this is just based exactly on what you see on the screen so certainly the vibe I get, you know, you get off of this trailer is it's going to be like Marvel's version of a, a teen angst coming of age, super, but with a superhero twist. It actually kind of reminded me, you probably haven't watched the show. Probably a lot of people who listen to this program haven't watched the show. But on Netflix, they have the uh, I think it's Never Have I Ever, which is the autobiographical Mindy Kaling produced show about how so it's basically based loosely probably not so loosely but let's just use the term loosely on the experiences and the difficulties mindy kaling had growing up um 
based on her family's background and and her growing up being more westernized and everything else. So that so that's that's kind. This reminded me a little of that. I got a little of that vibe off of watching this this trailer. I thought based on just what we see on the screen, it looks like it would be fun. I know we're going to talk. You're going to talk about this more. We're going to talk about you know changing changing her power set, kind of going the quasar route. It would seem with with the bracelets. But just based on what you saw on the screen, she, you know, the she, she certainly seems likable. And I know it's a, it's not a big measuring stick to compare her to to uh, Carol Danvers as being more likable in all honesty. But the reality is, it seems like it it, it could be a fun show. It could be on by on, on its own. It could be interesting. Could it go off the rails and go a little too SJW wokeness? It could, but. We don't know that's going to be the case, but based on what you saw on the screen so far, I thought it. I am interested, and I guess that's all for a character that has, I had has, means nothing to me. I think that's all you can. That's all you can really do as a positive to get. I think it's a thumbs up if you can get somebody who has no vested interest in this character just based on what you put on the screen. It's like Peacemaker. I had no interest in seeing that show, but the show, the way it was presented, was was interesting enough to make you want to open the door. And so at some point, if you haven't, you, I don't think you've watched that yet. We, we should talk about that at some point. But the reality is, yeah, if, if a character, if it has a character you don't care about or have no ties to, and it makes you want to watch it, at least to start with, then it did its job. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't know much about Kamala uh, other than the fact that like, you know, you, you, you alluded to the power set uh, they're making, uh, I mean, she gets it from this old box in, a, in her family's attic. So it, I guess it's still connected to her family line in some way. But Kamala Khan is an inhuman whose gifts were activated by the Terrigen Mist. And that's in the comics. So the fact that they're making her powers come from this bracelet in their more construct light does bother me. But my extent to what I know about Kamala is is that is what I just mentioned. I know that she's an inhuman and I know that her powers are not this. So seeing this definitely shocked me, but I know that she's a Marvel, you know, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, whatever sort of fangirl. So uh, I, I do agree with you other than the, other than the powers issue, I'm, I'm intrigued uh, and I'll be able to distinguish what this is for, for what it's intended to be, as opposed to, what I want to see from it or what I would expect. This is let's, let's, let's completely, let's face it. You know, like you just said, the, a teenage angst sort of coming a tale for this isn't made for you and me. Like this isn't made for adults. Like sure. There will probably be aspects of it. MCU stuff that you, the knowledge that'll be dropped in it and stuff that are, that would be entertaining. And, and this is there for the people who have been watching all of the MCU stuff, uh, including the more adult stuff and, and all of this but at the end of the day that the tone of this the main character of this the problems uh the teenage problems being faced in this this is not made for adults so for if anybody comes away from it and and goes it's too kitty or whatever yes you're right that's that's the fucking point Uh, um uh i'm curious to see like the whole thing opens up with her daydreaming in class but like she's got a world history textbook on her desk which makes me think of like what is the world history in the mcu like what is what are they learning about in history class 
um with like the eternals you know now being a thing uh and celestials and the the creation of the infinity gems like after it seems like the general public knows more about the infinity gems than you would think they do so like what was the press conference how, how much does the general public know when were the infinity gems created like <laughs> how how what is a world history class in the mcu like when you're in high school so I'm very curious to to just see sort of banal things like that happen. While I have a problem with the power set being changed, I think it does look cool at the very least. Um, so I guess we'll see we'll see where it goes from here. Uh, yeah, you have the potential of it being preachy in some ways, but I don't know. We'll see. And and plus, she's since she's such a specifically like a Captain Marvel fangirl, I'm very curious to see what the rest of the world thinks of Captain Marvel. Because realistically speaking, we haven't had enough experience with her to have people talking about the, uh, her in the same breath as they talk about like Tony Stark or Thor or anything like that. So having her be such a fangirl, I'm wondering if like, oh, people are going to be like, oh, really? You picked Captain Marvel or just there are like, oh, there are a lot of Captain Marvel fangirls, you know? So I'm curious to see what the the rest of the... I guess world as a whole thinks about uh, Captain Marvel. It'd be interesting to have that perspective. And I don't know. We'll see where it goes from here. But uh, her costume is at least pretty damn accurate with the the tennis shoes and the, the scarf looking thing and all of that. So I know a lot of people who really because there are actually a lot of really big Kamala fans uh, out there. So I know they were very happy with how accurate her costume was. Um, I think that was revealed several months ago. So, um, yeah, like you said, it did its job. It has me interested. And I would agree about the Captain Marvel stuff. That's one of the things I watched and I thought about the idea that how much do they know about Captain Marvel? Because that obvious, because clearly Captain Marvel was a pretty much a blank slate, a non-existent slate in the MCU until at the very, I mean, you can try to make the case that maybe post Infinity War when she came back, we don't know what her role was. We know obviously she was working with what was left of the Avengers at that point, but we don't know what kind of presence she had on earth and how people came to know her. If they did between infinity war and Endgame, or do most people know her because of what happened in Endgame? So it is. Yeah. I, I do think, I do think that's, that's interesting. And I guess we'll, I guess we'll figure, we'll figure some of that out or we'll just have to connect the dots. Since again, they're going out of their way really to not give us much information about what the Avengers are and who knows what forever, you know, when we're going to find out depending on, you know, that statement by Feige about the last Avengers movie, though, I still think he may have just meant it's the last as in it was the latest, you know, the the latest Avengers movie, the the last one that we did not that it's the final one. It's just, well, this was the last, you know, the most recent one last as in the most recent but yeah, I'm intrigued enough. So I think it's, it's certainly, it did it like, like we said, it did its job. So I, I'm curious to see how it's, how it's going to play out. I find it interesting that it's, now they just said June, right? They didn't say they didn't, did they give a date? Uh, I don't know. I've already clicked off the trailer. Otherwise I would. Because I know people were talking that it was going to run at the same time as. June Obi-Wan. 8th. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's why. So uh, it's an interesting choice that they're going to be running that the same time Obi-Wan's on. 
which I doesn't well, same, mean, yeah same time uh, Obi Wan starts the the twenty fifth twenty fifth of May so yeah. the question so it's it is an interesting decision I'll be curious to see if they're both dropping if they still are going to both drop on the same days but it is it is an odd, it, it's kind of an odd choice you would think you would want to at least not so close together overlapping it may not be a big deal but having them start so so quick after you know, the second one starting so quick or soon soon after the first one kind of an odd choice but. But like you said, they're not really playing to the same audience, age-wise, for the most part. They may be, cro- you know, that's going to be cross-pollinization, but they're not playing to the same audience. So they probably figure, well, this is, you know, this is okay. It's like it's like when I think the, the Bad Batch, I think, was going on at the same time as Loki. I think it's kind of like the same thing. It's not necessarily playing to the playing to the same crowd. But yeah, cautiously optimistic when it comes to that one. Yeah. So now let's move to that to. It's always hard to be optimistic about the about WB and their and their release schedules. Yeah, short, it was funny. Like Bat, Bat, the Batman like wasn't even out. I think like a full week before you know they kind of like WB dropped this huge bombshell and they pretty much moved their entire slate of movies completely around. The the League of Super Pets moves from five twenty to seven twenty nine, which takes which is Black Adam's old date. Black Adam moves from seven twenty nine to ten twenty one. Shazam, which was not coming out <clears throat> until next year in June, gets moved up all the way to 12, 16, 22, which was Aquaman's old date. Aquaman moves from that 12, 16 date to 3, 17, 23. And The Flash, which was supposed to come out in November of this year, moves all the way to June, 20, June 23rd, 2023. So at least The Flash is consistent. That, that That is one project that's been pushed back and has had more release dates than probably anything in history on the WB slate. Some of the interesting things about this, that moving Aquaman out of December probably isn't a great surprise because Avatar opens up a few days later mm-hmm. after that. And so it's, and it's, it's still weird that they would move Shazam into, and it's not, again, it is competition. It's not, it's not one-on-one in the sense that Shazam, Shazam does have a few days before they do have a couple of days of release before Avatar comes out. But it is so. But it, it is almost on the surface. It's it's hard to understand that uh, why they moved that up. Maybe they had no, they felt they had no choice but to move something up because there's a lot of rumors that the the special effects are just not there yet, ready for the Flash or for Aquaman. That they're behind the eight ball because of all the delays in either COVID or other in the whole production. That they're not where they need to be. So that's part of the reason why they moved made some of the moves that they made. But it's still odd. But to me, I mean, I don't know. I, You and I will talk about I think we talked about it in a movie preview episode. We'll talk about it more as we get closer. I'm not convinced. You know, I am certainly not convinced Avatar is going to be like the biggest movie of all time, too. I don't I don't I don't I'm not convinced that sequel is going to just be the next end game. I'm not convinced of that. I we're, need the only, to, we're the only generation who gives a shit about it. Anybody I, yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I need to be convinced because there are, and, and, and as usual, and I don't want to go off. This will be my brief tangent, though it is so absolutely related. It is related to this because it's, the, it's that release date for Shazam, but I'll try to make it quick. Everybody is framing this as if you don't, if you don't think Avatar two is going to be ginormous, then you just you're doubting J- James Cameron and look at James Cameron's track record. I don't think it has to do with doubting that James Cameron's going to make going to make an entertaining movie. 
The point is Avatar has not ingrained itself into the into the pop culture the way other franchises and movies have. It was a movie driven entirely by its technology. And yeah, I'm sure the 3D in this movie will be fantastic. I mean, it's 10 years it's 10 years removed from the last one, more than that, technology-wise. Yeah, I would assume the 3D is going to be going to be even better. But people have also been burned because we've had the 3D resurrection driven by Avatar. But we've seen that that revival come and go with a lot of people being burned where 3D is now a dirty word again because they've seen so many movies that have been post-product and you know post-3D and playing on crappy screens with dim bulbs that should should have been changed eons ago that you are you also counting on theaters playing the you know really ramping up their 3D theater game their screen game to make this playing at you know the maximum capacity that they can to get the maximum effect three because people going to see that movie over and over again is what made it big. So if you go to see it once in 3d and in, in, on a crappy screen, you may never see it again on 3d. So I think there's lots of, there's lots of reasons why to doubt and the gap between the 13 years or so between. Yeah. Or yeah, about 13 years by the time it comes out since the first one. So I'm not saying I think it's going to tank. I just don't, I just think, I am not convinced this movie is going to be the next end game. Let me just put it that way. That being said, yeah, Shazam is probably going to get swallowed up because it's not Shazam didn't do that great financially to begin with the first one, but it made sense. They moved, they moved Aquaman out of that spot. And it's interesting that the flash gets moved like more than half a year, but if the special effects are really, that movie might be okay, but even by moving it, cause you got the Michael Keaton factor. That's the one thing driving that movie is the whole is Michael Keaton coming back. So you probably assume the Michael Keaton, this movie being pushed back might push the the Batgirl movie on HBO Max. I might delay that too. Probably will. I'm going to assume. Those are my those are my initial initial thoughts on that. I th- I think I always thought Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom was going to move no matter what, including uh, I, I'm just I'm just irritated about the trailer situations lately. You know, these studios are releasing these trailers. In the WB's case, it was that sort of compilation trailer saying, hey, see all four of these movies only in theaters, whatever. But then there was also the trailer that, you know, um, Marvel had put out. Uh, what was the last Marvel movie I saw in theaters? Oh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Yeah. So um, the Morbius trailer was in front of that. And it was saying it, it had the, you know, before it was recently moved. Oh, yeah. The January release date. Yeah. And I was like. All right, cool. So, like, I'm just really sick of these studios still changing. The, like, once you have the marketing out, just can go. Like, you're ready. Let's let's go. Um, especially that close to the release date. Um, but I think, so- but I think Sony probably was right on that because I think all they, I think they really did that just because they wanted Spider-Man to breathe more because they knew it could make a lot of money, which they've been proven absolutely correct in. And Morbius coming out might have cut Spider-Man off a little bit at the knees from what it could have made. So I think in retros, that's I think that's the main reason they did it. And I think probably it they're gonna say it's justified because of Spider-Man that still makes still making a lot of money. Yeah. Um so I, I, I figured we never saw a lot, maybe one clip or two of Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So I always assumed it was never gonna hold a 2022 release date. Flash, I'm a little disappointed in because they've been showing I you know, quote unquote, so much of it. Um but it, but I guess you know if if they're ha- you know if if they don't feel happy with the CGI then let's let's give it some more time. Um, I think they they got burned once with Green Lantern and <laughs> and the, forever forever more they're going to take more time on CGI if they need to. 
the Shazam one I'm excited about. Uh, it, it makes sense uh, to move it up in the same year as they're going to expand on the mythos with Black Adam. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully it's it's good. Um, it, again, interesting. We haven't seen or heard much about it. If it's so ready uh, that it's okay to release it six months earlier. I get them pushing the League of Super Pets uh, a little bit because, you know, an, an animated film released during the summer or whatever. That's that's great. And it seemed like there was a lot of positive reaction from kids who saw that uh, trailer in front of the Batman when I went to go see it. I am very irritated at the Black Adam push. That's the one I was really looking forward to. And you can tell you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I I'm not entirely sure that october is like the greatest month for blockbusters i I could be wrong but like why why would you like that film has fucking dwayne the rock johnson in it who is going to draw people no matter what uh and now he's in a superhero film um so why would you push it out of the supposed potential massive exposure summer blockbuster by any means spot that it was in into a random date in October. It's the venom Joker factor. I think, I think that's what they, I think, I think if they were looking to justify it that way, it's probably that, I mean, you had, because you've now you've had over the last few years, you've had a, you've had a track record of releasing these darker, either darker hero or anti-hero movies in uh october and i would suspect that's one of the reasons why you look at you look at the release schedule there is let's see i think it's the why would i said the 21st is that what i said yeah it's 10 21 that the i think hollow it's funny they're talking about i was watching grace randolph's video on this and i forget what comes out in earlier in october but halloween halloween ends comes out the week before so Halloween. That, so the good news about that is whatever business, whatever huge business, if it does have in it, Halloween ends, will have it in its first weekend. So that so it's definitely going to it would drop no matter what in its second weekend. I and it's you got to you got a, a bunch of time left before the you know the November releases that are going to be a, a potential challenge. I don't think I don't think it's a horrible release date. I would agree with you. I don't know why you would have to move that one. I mean, why not? Now, you, if you want to think about it, why not? If you were going to swap movies, why not move the League of Super Pets into December? Because mm-hmm. number one, it's an animated movie that you know is never animated movies are never going to make as much money as live action movies anyway. You know, nine and a half times out of ten, it would be counter programming to Avatar because Avatar is not going to appeal to kids and parents with kids. So that would make more sense when you think about it. They could have kept Black Adam where it was if they really wanted to move Shazam up. Now, unless there's there are some rumors that there's stuff in Shazam that shouldn't that need that needs to come first, either before the Flash, maybe not Black Adam. Obviously, you would say not Black Adam because Black Adam's release date was originally before Shazam anyway. So you, so, but there was rumors that stuff related to the Flash and other things that there that there's something in that sh- something in Shazam basically needs to come out first before it gets touched upon again in, in the Flash. But either way, I mean, you could have had you could have had. You could have potentially kept Black Adam. You could have kept Black Adam where it was in, in, in July, and you could have moved Shazam if you wanted to into October, and kept yeah. and and done going to scum with the Super Pets because. Yeah. But it, it is that part is that part is odd because 
it, yeah, moving Black Adam just feels like they don't have faith in it. I get that there yeah. are other potential reasons, but like it, it to me it feels like oh, it's not. I don't know. Can it carry a summer block? I don't know. That's what it feels like. But I don't. I yeah. I I don't think they don't have faith in it. I don't think that's it. I think. I mean, at, at its original release date, the only thing it could theoretically be competing with is Thor: Love and Thunder. But that's the competition. <laughs> so. And when, why wouldn't you cut them off at the knees with your best chance? A movie led by Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> and when is when is Thor's release date now? Uh, early July, I think. So, so, so it would have come out. It would have come out after. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not. Uh, that's what I thought. I thought Thor. Came, I thought Thor came out first. I yeah. I, I don't. I don't think they lack the confidence in it. I think. I mean, realistically speaking, if they really one hundred percent lack the confidence in it, they probably would have thrown it up against the Avatar. Really, mm. uh, I don't. It's to Shazam. Make, if they needed to move something up, Shazam makes the most sense because of the fact that that movie's been done for a while. I mean, that movie was one. Of the, that's one of those movies I think that kind of got in under the wire and got most of their stuff done even before before all the all, all the COVID problems from a production perspective. You know, wreaked havoc with almost everything. So it made sense that they had to move something up that movie. You know, they've, they've been showing that movie. They've been, they've been doing, you know, tests on that movie. It's essentially done or or probably is done. And they, but they could always do tweaks because you still have half a year to do it plus, but the reality is, yeah, I I don't, it's just really weird that they, this mass, this massive shift it's and the fact that they do it so late in the game. I mean, and and it is relatively late in the game from the, I mean, it isn't on one level because it's not like you're moving in a November release in September. But the fact is that you're already like waving the white flag and saying, OK, we already know that there's no way in hell we're going to some of these movies are going to be ready in time. Or you just have maybe there's more problems than we know with some of these movies that they know that as currently constructed, these movies don't work and they and they have to do more with it. And now they, that gives them time not just to do the special effects, but do the reshoots and do and do pickups and rewrites and do things that may have it, it's it's hard to know but the flat on some basic level the flash is the most disappointing because of the fact mm-hmm. that the michael keaton stuff is what's been driving the interest in that movie you take michael keaton out of that movie even with multiverse stuff no one really would give much of a crap because the ezra miller flash is not that interesting yeah the snyderverse version was better i think I think the other side of the coin too is also Batman related in that there are rumors that the current cut of it uh, makes uh, some allusions to the fact that we're not done with Batfleck and where we're going from there with that character, I believe is the the latest rumor. Um, oh, what, the flash. The you mean, Bros. You mean yeah. the flash? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, any, I mean, first of all, anything's possible, even in whatever the game plan is. I mean, I think certainly, Affleck's been talking about it as if this is his his last hurrah in this, but there, but D, but WB is also now kind of doing. There's pros and cons with this, but to me it just makes it sound like a kiss of death when they're making it sound like now they're more more they're more worried about they're concentrating on good stories when it comes to their movies, not worried about continuity and world building. It's like, well, yeah, because that's worked so well in the comic books. Having continuity mean jack shit, but I understand what in the movies it could work because that just means you could have. You could have like three different Batman if you wanted to and existing in, in their own universe, just like Sony, if they wanted to revisit McGuire and Garfield could do that at the same time. Tom Holland is still part of the MCU. So it, there's, there's pros to it, but it, it, but I don't know. I just think 
it's it's typical it's par for the course with wb and it's disappointing because i was interested in the flash movie i don't have any interest in aquaman like i said and i definitely want to see black adam the good news is that's only pushed back a couple of months so that's not a big deal but the flash being kicked all the way to next summer and that's assuming it doesn't get pushed again then yeah that's disappointing yeah for sure all right what's next all right so obi-wan the obi-wan trailer which is which certainly will if it's going to win an award for anything it wins the award for a soundtrack because they certainly hit all the right beats and playing the right musical cues from uh from duel the fates to battle the heroes and and everything it's a it's a very interesting trailer from the perspective that it gives you a very bare bones idea of what's going on in this trailer, but that's what it should. It doesn't give away too much. They don't they don't feel the need to shoehorn actually seeing Vader in this trailer. You do get his breathing, of course, at the end. And mind you, the the showing the showing the the uh, the logo of Obi Wan and having Obi Wan's lightsaber be the, be at the end of the, of of Kenobi, be the eye in Kenobi, his his lightsaber be that that's pretty cool. That's a pretty nice. It's a pretty nice touch. Took me a while to find it because I heard people say, "Oh, you know, the eye, the eye is a lightsaber," and I keep looking at the one in Obi, and it's like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Then someone, "Oh, it's the one in Kenobi," and it's not not just a lightsaber, of course, it's his actual hilt. So that that was pretty clever. If they if they do this right, this and I, I am a little biased because he is my favorite character, but uh, character, but based on the baggage, pro and con, mostly pro that the whole Obi-Wan thing comes with, with the ties to all of Star Wars, not counting the sequel trilogy, of course, but that didn't have ties to, they, they swept almost all the history away, which was ironic in the ties by, but the reality, is, I mean, obviously pal, it all existed, but I mean, they didn't, they kind of conveniently didn't connect tissue. They didn't, they certainly didn't connect the dots and the tissue the way the TV shows have been trying to connect different eras like the Mandalorian and everything else and trying to connect the prequels to the original trilogy era and things like that, that because of what they're focusing in on, this could, could very easily, if, if it's done right, be the best live action star Wars that we've gotten probably since revenge of the Sith force awakens. I know was good, but look what happened in that trilogy. I'm talking as far as having it just resonate. You can, if you want to say force awakens, I can say that I, I can give people that because again, how popular it was at the time, but I think it could be more popular than the Mandalorian because we have a character. We already care about. We have a story. We have the essence of a story. We already care about and you're, and you're filling in pieces and the idea. And again, it has to be done right though. Cause I'm not, I'm not a fan. I wasn't a fan of, of not seeing Obi-Wan dressed at you know, in Jedi robes and a in, in, in typical, this tunic in his robe and wearing his lightsaber, but you understand why he's not because he's, he's literally in hiding and there's nobody who's, who would reasonably believe he's dead at this point, because certainly we all, everybody knew he survived order 66. So there's no reason to think that he was dead because nobody had found him. There's no record. Oh yes. We killed Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it makes sense that he's hiding. It also makes sense because he's broken. That's supposed to be a key part of this story is that he's broken that his guilt over what happened with Anakin, him blaming himself for Anakin falling, which I think is unfair that a lot of people do like to point their fingers at Obi-Wan. It's not, I think he got saddled with a, he got saddled with a lemon. Could he have done a better job if he was the older Obi-Wan teaching that same student? Yes, but he didn't, you know, he got saddled with a Padawan. He never would have picked because of Qui-Gon and Anakin had bad. Anakin was a bad seed despite his positive qualities. 
And Qui-Gon might have done a better job with him, but we don't know. People who just assume that, oh, it would have tar- he would have absolutely been able to rein in all of Anakin's bad instincts. We don't know that. Yeah, he was also just recently, I mean, you, you kind of already mentioned it without actually specifically saying it, but like he was out of being a Padawan himself to being promoted to Jedi yeah. and then immediately got a Padawan of his own. Yeah, and, and a Padawan that, again, that he never would have picked. He yeah. was he de- he was obligated to do it because of his, because of Qui-Gon. But either way, yes, what, there's no doubt older Obi-Wan would have done a better job. But the point is, Obi-Wan still won't be looking at it from this perspective. He failed because he failed. He he ended up bringing down the Jedi Order. So it's a broken Obi-Wan who basically has to be put back together to get to the point where not just where we see him in New Hope, but where if you've seen Rebels, where you see him in Rebels, which is essentially still several years away from New Hope, but he's Obi-Wan Kenobi again. He talks like Obi-Wan. He's he's dressing as a Jedi again. So you have to get to that point. So I am interested in seeing this journey. I still am not 100% sold on Vader and Obi-Wan having another fight because of the fact that I think that lessens their confrontation on the Death Star. But if that I mean, confront- it depends to what extent the confrontation is. Yeah, but I mean, they, I mean, they certainly are hyping it up like it's going to like it's going to be a really big lightsaber fight. So, I mean, I don't think I, it, it would be stupid of them to hype it up. But either way, I'm OK with it if for two reasons. And I don't want to and I'll let and I don't want to monopolize this for too long, much longer. So I'll let you talk in one second. Uh, it can work for two reasons. If you go back to Return of the Jedi, when when Luke is trying to do the head games with, with Vader and trying to on, on Endor. When Vader turns away and you know that he's thinking and he pauses for a second and he goes, Obi-Wan once thought as you do. That would indicate that Obi-Wan tried to bring him back from the dark side, which never really happened in Revenge of the Sith. Mm. It's understandable why it didn't happen based on the circumstances. But this opens the door for Obi-Wan to try to be appealing to Anakin, Vader, while they're fighting to bring him back from the dark side, which would tie into what was alluded to with that conversation between Luke and Vader. Right. But there's no there's there's I mean, you add add to that the fact that there's never really a firm timeline that they never met again after he after Revenge of the Sith, because all Vader really says is a presence I've not felt since and then trails off. Well, and and the when I left you, I was but the loner. Now I am the master. Yeah. But the other reason why this can work is because if. His confrontation with Vader is what leads him to basically rediscovering who he is. So when he gets back to Tatooine and to stay on, we, we assume at this point, who knows, they, they could try to do another story, what takes him off world, that if the fight with Vader is what re- reignites the essence of Obi-Wan, brings him back to the character that we saw in the prequels and the character that we know he becomes in episode four, including a physical transformation where, yes, from this point on, it's like, Whatever happens, this is who I am. So I'm wearing my robe again. I'm wearing my tunic. I'm wearing my lightsaber on my belt all the time. Whatever happens, happens. Because we know even at the end of Rebels, when he squares off with Darth Maul, several years away still from New Hope, that's how he looks. He looks like we see him in New Hope, dressed, you know, typical Obi-Wan gear, lightsaber on his belt. If Vader, if that fight with Vader helps reignite the essence of Obi-Wan, literally and physically and emotionally, to put him in the place where he needs to be and realizes that he has that basically the, the, the fight isn't done. Like you said in the trailer, how the, how the fight is done and they lost that it, it makes him realize that no, they really haven't entirely lost that there is hope and he plays a role in that. I will be, I will be okay with that with, with almost everything else that happens in this series. 
if they if they if they get to that point. And I and some of the things you hear, you know, the the rumors about, you know, why he leaves Tatooine and why the Inquisitors even are on his trail, which has nothing to do with him. Supposedly, it has to do with somebody looking for him, looking for his help. And that and they and that and the Inquisitors follow that character onto Tatooine. And then they realize when they're there, hmm, he might, you know, Kenobi might actually be here. That that's part of the reason why he ends up leaving. But there's a specific mission, which I won't go into from a spoiler perspective, as heavily rumored. But yeah, as long as they as long as Obi-Wan ends up being Obi-Wan again at the end of the series, and as long as at the end of the day, when at the end of that final fight that he has with Vader in the show, if he does, he has to do okay there, which because it has to tie into what Vader said. Vader has to still realize at the end of this fight that he still does that Obi-Wan is still technically the master. That then I'm okay. But if you play too fast and loose, then you ret- you're retconning too much from episode four. I can live with the change as long as you have those things that happen by the end of this series. But so first the thing, quick a little small little jest. Uh, I am now convinced that if the Death Star or the Empire were to blow up Tatooine, this multiverse would come to an end because clearly Tatooine is the center of the multiverse <laughs> and of all life uh, in the universe of this Star Wars universe, because uh, it's all we ever talk about. <laughs> um, so uh, really excited to be exploring that more. Um, Though, of course, you know why. I mean, everybody, yeah, I know why everybody says that. But this is the one show people can't really point their fingers at because of all the shows that, that have to that are taking yeah, place on Tatooine. This one has to. <laughs> um, it also makes me in my like, look, he's supposed to be hiding out on Tatooine, um, watching, watching out for Luke. And like, because, like you said, he, he he has to be also smart enough to realize what you said. Nobody would reasonably expect he's dead. So, but it reminds me of that line, you know, uh, uh, tell me, tell me where, you know, or, or whatever the line is in new hope is like, you know, where, where Obi-Wan, uh, or no, it was R2 says, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is our master or whatever C3PO translates. And then Luke goes, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. <laughs> it's like, where's the well, same, uh, how, how, how common is the last name Kenobi? Like, <laughs> and, um, that's not really a great alias to stay hidden, Obi-Wan. Um, so uh, I'm very curious. Like, I think of Tatooine like I think of a small town in West Texas. Like something could interesting could have happened like 60 years ago in that town. But because nothing fucking ever happens in that town, it's all anybody talks about for decades. So if there's a major confrontation on Tatooine of people uh, of of the empire or whatever going up against Obi-Wan or you know going into town and going where's <laughs> holding up a photo and going where's Obi-Wan Kenobi, you would think that the name Obi-Wan Kenobi would be pretty well known by the time Luke is a teenager and stuff like that. So like I'm always I'm I'm very I'm extremely curious how they're going to tackle the Obi-Wan is in hiding, but also people know who he is thing. Um, so that's very interesting to me. I, 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 I'm just excited to see Ewan McGregor back, obviously. Um, I think that's going to be just, uh, just watching him act and play this character again is just going to be its own set of rules, set of fun. I don't know anything about these, these other characters. Um, although I believe I've heard the name of, whatever the uh the bald guy what's his name the grand inquisitor yes i've heard the words of the grand inquisitor before but i don't know where i heard it 
uh, I'm also curious, you know, as much as I joke about we're taking place of so much of this on Tatooine, I'm also curious to learn more about Tatooine because um, uh, one of the more famous lines, you know, is I want to go to Tashi Station to pick up power converters, which has like the same tone as I want to go get comic books at the mall with my friends. Like, what is a power converter? Why does why does uh why does uh is Uncle Ben right? Owen. No, no. Owen, Uncle Owen. Why does Uncle Owen consider it a waste of time with your friends? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm, a, I, I'm, I'm sure some canon, you know, book or whatever comic maybe explored what power converters were and uh, why Tashi Station is a, such a hangout for the for the youth of Tatooine. But you know, I'm just curious to learn about those various things. But yeah, I just uh, at the end of the day, I'm just more curious. Uh, yeah, how how does they how do they have an active manhunt for this guy across the universe and he still remain a relative unknown all those years later i think we'll get a resolution to that i i think that which would make the most sense that i think these somehow this series is going to end where pretty much almost everybody thinks obi-wan has got has been killed probably including vader even though i'm sure vader will have there'll be a part of vader that may not be 100% convinced but i think everybody who matters is going to think Obi-Wan is dead. So then the fact when he makes his way back to Tatooine, then it's not now again, remember he's not going by the name of Obi-Wan. Now we don't even know if everybody refer everybody on Tatooine refers to him as, as Kenobi. It's possible though doubtful, but possible that only that that's just the alias that he refers to when he comes to dealing with the Lars and Luke. But if, but he may have a maybe he takes a different last name and you know when when he's obviously working in this at this point in the series or in his exile that he's actually trying to fit in and do in work and things like that. So he his his name to the masses may not be Kenobi. It's yeah. but I agree with you. There there are things there are things you have to there are things you have to be careful with, and that's one of the reasons why probably he will be more likely to be again dressing decides you know i am a you know i am a jedi and he's going to and he's going to dress like one at the end partially not just exclusively but partially because again the the manhunt for him it will be essentially done because to the to the galaxy at large there's no reason to believe that he didn't die wherever he is so then and plus why would he ever go back to tatooine where he was there before you know he would think if he was going to go anywhere hide anywhere else he'd go he wouldn't go back to the place where they looked for him the first time so there's an element of hiding in plain sight on that level that would make sense. Plus, we know no matter what, he has to go back to Tatooine at some point because his job is his look is to look out for Luke. So all right, let's get through this feedback. We told we told him he we'd do it. So let's do it. Yeah, man. All yeah. right. Ken's questions. So uh Ken, we're gonna do all of them except for the very last one. Cause we're actively reviewing the Thorn Run and everything, right? Yeah, plus I, I plus I did F. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I did. I that's that's the one I did. I did F. So you don't. So if you don't want to touch yeah. it, we can just do A through E. I I agree with the answers to F. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Chad. <laughs> All right, do you want to do A? Yeah. So we're just gonna read the questions. Uh, Ken says uh, a criticism about the GL mythos I used to see was that all GLs were from the United States. So I thought. What if in an Elseworlds reality, the lanterns came from different countries? And then he gave some examples. Uh, first of all, fantastic. I agree. You know, it's, it, it just makes no sense for uh, if, if people have trouble accepting the fact that there's that are there are so many lanterns from Earth 
they should have even more of a problem understanding that they're from a very specific section and country of the earth and no other. Um, because in, in all explanations of why there are so many earth lanterns, the reason is always about the importance of the earth and not about the United States of America. So, uh, I'm totally down with that. Um, especially like, you know, and you can have fun with it. Uh, maybe some soft retcons here and there, but you know, like, you know, um, the whole Yalen Gur thing, um, the meteorite crashing in China that would eventually become the, the power battery that Alan Scott uses. Like, uh, you know, there, there are other myth of, you know, there, um, you know, we're playing with the, the multiverse a lot. Right. So what about the, uh, what about the, uh, what was the Elseworlds tale? Was it uh, Emerald Dragon or something? You remember? I think the I know Kung- which, yeah. I'm the Green Lantern to... Kung Fu one? Yeah, I'm trying to remember if that's it. For some reason, it doesn't sound right, though it could be. Uh, list of Elseworlds publications for Green Lantern Elseworlds. Oh, no. It's... Well, 101 Emerald Knights is Arabic. Yes. So, yeah. Oh, man, I can't remember. What was that one? Was it? See, now it's going to drive me up a wall. Well, wait. Uh, well, just wait. Yeah. Wait till uh, I'm anyway. talking, then you can, then you can. Then so, you can. I mean, I'm just, I, there, there's so many other examples, basically was my point, of uh, other Green Lantern stories touching upon other parts of Earth. I'm just, I'm just down. I'm straight up down for it. And I think, man, speaking of other Earths, did you, did you ever re- end up reading Green Lantern Legacy? No. Okay, that's the one with the the little kid. Yeah, that's, that's what I yeah. thought you meant. No, I, I didn't. I don't think. I, don't I can't think. remember, and I'm not about to flip through it now. His grandmother before him was a lantern, but I'm pretty sure she was living in Korea or something. I think it was Korea at the time. Is that the Thai, uh, fam, I, I, thai fam or Kai fam? Yeah, yeah, thai. yeah. Yeah, I, because they, they show her grandmother or his grandmother wearing the ring at some point. But I can't remember if like at what point they immigrated over to the United States. Was she already a lantern or was she first given the lantern when before they immigrated? Um, But either way, I mean, we have all these stories of, uh, you know, in in different um, some some on different Earths, some on, like I said, the Yallinger thing or. Uh, tangentially connected by Alan Scott's history and stuff like that, where where it would take place in different countries. So I don't see why I don't see why we uh, why we couldn't uh, have lanterns from uh, other countries. And I'd be down with some of the suggestions he makes. Well, I would say Guy Gardner should be Irish. Come on, that's tailor made. I mean, yeah, for sure. That, that's that's tailor made. I would probably stick John Stewart. I would I. I I guess you could do South Africa, and again, the only reason that would be to me that would be somewhat interesting is based on his age. You would think he would still have to have dealt with apartheid, so I guess that could be interesting. I'd rather him just be more African, African, so maybe like Kenya, if you're going to stick him there. If you're going to, uh, Kyle's easy saying doing the going the Mexico route because of his heritage. I don't know. I don't know. Is Jessica Cruz's family actually from Honduras? I have no idea. I don't know, but I it seemed. I don't know why. I will say I don't I have no idea why Joe would be in Italy. I don't know. That one doesn't that one confuses me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about Jessica. I mean, it depends on how much of the Jessica Cruz unearthed thing the the graphic novel that came out. Oh, because, is that the, the illegal immigration thing? Yeah, is that, parents, is that where her parents were from? In that I don't remember. That I don't remember Honduras, but it was definitely an illegal immigration sort of issue. Because I'm not sure where I would put. See, here's the thing. 
in a way, Hal Jordan is so uniquely American that it's not like we couldn't have one Green Lantern left. So if, if we were going to have one, in a way, you could make the case it would it should be Hal. But I could I could buy Hal being English, and then if you're going to do that, then Joe should be. I would say Joe would have to be American because I don't see. I it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard for me to see Joe as anything other than American. Uh, so and I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Canada for Alan. I could see Canada maybe being Alan. Those are just my initial. And Simon's not a bad choice. We know it's got to be someplace, someplace in the Middle East. So why not Lebanon? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure they're actually from Mexico. Who, Jessica? Yeah, in was, in, yeah. in unearthed. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, I'm flipping through it now, but the back cover mentions Mexico, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right. What's the next question? All right. Let's do B. If you couldn't have Hal or John on the league, which lantern would you have on the team instead? Ironically, I thought of this question before the news about Justice League 75. For me, I've always enjoyed Kyle's presence on the league. His style, personality, and experience brings a lot to the table. My other choice is Jessica, but I'd rather she be on the Titans first. Though the trial she went through in Justice League Odyssey truly made her worthy of the team. Guy is obviously a fun choice, but his style and personality would distract the team too much. Joe, hell no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, um, I, go ahead. You go first. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I agree. Kyle's my go-to um, for all the same reasons uh, as, uh, you know, as is Jessica, just because I think Jessica has almost like the same levity, wit, uh, easygoingness, general likability that Kyle has in a lot of ways. I think in a lot of ways, Kyle and Jessica are pretty similar people. Um, so whatever I would like that Kyle brought to the team, I would like also from uh, I would obviously like also in Jessica. But outside of those two, I'd actually say Joe. Um, but Joe poses a problem because. The reason I would like her is also the reason I wouldn't want her in there. And let me explain. Because of her history as a police officer and stuff like that, and then moving into the core, the the way she thinks, uh, her back backstory experience, training and stuff, makes me go like she would get along with a with a very logical minded Batman and be able to handle him. Uh, she would also get along with Barry very well because of his forensic attempts and like, and you know, John Jones, because he's a detective. Is John Jones still a detective in his human guys when he's transformed into a human? That used to be his thing. Is it still? I his think thing? I don't know if it still is. I, I, you, you are correct. That was, that was his day job, if you will. Yeah. So like, I think she would be, you know, a great fit in there. And she did play that role in, um, Future State. That's what it was. Well, I was, I was thinking Future's in Future State. Uh, in the Justice League story for Future State, she was a part of the league, uh, and she filled that role in a lot of ways. So um, I, I'd, I'd definitely be interested to seeing her on the league. But yeah, if it's not Hal for me, it's it's got to be Kyle first. Jessica would be a close second for the same reasons. But I'd be really interested in Joe. But I'd also at the same time be worried that we're leaning too hard into the the logical minded stuff like who's the levity then in the league and all that stuff. If, if Joe gets along with Batman and they're geeking out about forensic stuff or whatever to get, I don't, I don't know. Um, there might be a, an off balance thing to, to what I would like about having her in the league, but I thought she did a very good job in, in future state as a member of the league. So I think, I think just because of that, I, I think she'd be a good fit. I'm going to cheat on this one. For selfish reasons, I'm going to say St. Walker and Arkilla. 
<laughs> because we got boned on that teaming and we never got to see them work as the team that they should have been. Nice going, Robert Venditti. <laughs> that's that's going to be a hard one to ever to ever forgive since that was set up so perfectly. So that's that's what I would say with that. That's what came to mind on that one. Jessica would be fine because Jessica Jessica's likable. It's been a long time since Kyle's been on the Justice League, so I I wouldn't be again. I would not be against it. But if you're looking for something unique, yeah, I would. I'd rather go since he just said Lantern. He didn't say Green Lantern. I, I'm gonna. I would say let's put Arkillo and Sinestro and uh, Saint Walker together on the team. Let's put Black Hand under an Indigo ring. That could be interesting. <laughs> I mean, I was. It could be interesting, but I was also joking. <laughs> well, I, I know you were, but I'm saying that if, if you said Black Hand with his black ring, that'd have been something else. <laughs> All right. What's the next question here? I'll, I'll, I'll be... do it. I'll do it. You can do D. But I'm gonna answer. But I'm gonna answer this one first. Uh, if only one human could be a Green Lantern, who would you choose, and which core would you have the other Human Lanterns join? Mm. My answer is a little obvious, but for me, Hal Green, Guy Red, John Star Sapphire, Kyle White, Simon Blue, Jessica Yellow, Joe Indigo. I love the Lanterns too much to put any of them in orange. Though Kelly could be an interesting but sad candidate. So I wanted to do this one because I want to jump into one. Why in the world? Why? I think Simon is so far from blue. I wouldn't even think about it. (laughs) Simon is orange. Simon is orange because we see Simon complain all the time about getting crappy assignments and being overlooked. And so Simon, based on the choices, I'm not saying you can't put him somewhere else, but I'm saying Simon to me, given the choice, is definitely more orange than blue. I don't see hope. I have never gotten that a really hopey vibe off of Simon. So I'd say Simon, Simon is orange. I would agree. Hal would be green. I have no issue with guy being red because we've seen him be a good red as far as being a functional red. I don't really see John as a star Sapphire either. I would say John would probably be more an indigo. Um, Mm, Interesting. Based on the choices. I mean, Kyle, if he's not going to be green, yeah, I guess. I mean, Kyle's another one. Kyle should be blue. I think Kyle should be blue. They kind of, we've, we've gotten that tease of him, what he could, we never really got to see what he could be as a blue since he was really incompetent at it during War of the Green Lanterns, but he had the potential because Kyle is kind of hopeful. So I think Kyle should be, I would, so maybe, so Kyle should be blue. Uh, Jessica, it's easy to say yellow. I'm just trying to figure out who I would make white. Uh, it's almost tempting to make John white, no pun intended. But I don't know. But again, I don't know what, where I would put Joe either. Um, that's kind of this. But Joe Star Sapphire for me, just because I don't know where else to stick her. And mm-hmm. technically, I still I still don't have a I'm kind of well, it didn't say it didn't say fill the other course. No, that's true. But I'm, I'm just you're right. All right. So mm-hmm. that's that's good enough of an answer. I think. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I, unfortunately, I, I have to cop out because. Look, yes, Hal stays green, but Jess, uh, not Jessica, Joe has to be green too, from in my eyes. Like I, I, of what I know about her thus far, I still can't see her in any other core than the Green Lantern core. So yeah, I, uh, Kyle White, I think that comes as a surprise to nobody because I've I've wanted Kyle back and I really enjoyed him as the White Lantern and I've said that many times. Simon, I agree. Orange, maybe red, could be a possibility. Jessica Yellow, just because that was so damn interesting, uh, and also who she is. Guy Red, because, again, I, I missed that series and I loved that stuff, and uh, I think there's definitely more to explore there. And I, I agree. You mentioned it very briefly. John is Indigo. 
for, for two very big reasons. First of all, you got to think you got to think of indigo in in the point of what it could be versus what it is. What it is currently, unless something has changed, but I don't think that it has. What it is currently is sort of like a uh, a lobotomy in a way. You put the ring on, and then you're just forced to feel nothing but compassion uh, and forced to act in said ways. For John. I think he would see it as atonement in a way, possibly, because and my two reasons for why he is, is indigo are also tied into the two ways in which John is portrayed. John is either portrayed always as a tragic character because Star Sapphire murdered his wife or he destroyed Zanshi or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Whatever the reasons he's always in an emotional catastrophe about, he could see it as paying penance in that way. The other way he's portrayed as as the architect or marine or both, both of which is kind of building something from nothing um, about learning structure, either in in a a different way, learning to uh, if if the Indigo tribe, like I I think he could be like maybe a leader of the Indigo tribe. Um, He could transform the Indigo tribe in that they're not forced to feel compassion and are sort of like mindless zombies. And if you take off the ring, oh no, but sort of maybe less than that, he could change things on that cord to lessen that so that they have the ability to feel compassion, but need, need the training and the structure and the lessons that they can learn to start to learn those skills on their own. And I think his experience as a military man in a, in, in a class of structure like that, and as an architect from, you know, using your imagination, creating something from nothing, adding beauty to the world, stuff like that. I think in both those ways, John could make a great indigo. I agree. All right. The next question. Would you rather have all of the human lanterns be on the Green Lantern core or on different core? Before DC Rebirth, when Kyle was the White Lantern and Gaia Red Lantern, it was interesting, but I didn't like how detached and isolated everybody was. I prefer the idea that they're all part of the Green Lantern core and have the same level of powers it's the style, personalities, and experiences that make each lantern unique and not how powerful or worthy they are. What do you think, Mark? That's a tough one. That one is tough. Now, the caveat to this should be, like, how many books do we have? <laughs> uh, if, ev- if we only have one Green Lantern core book, one Green Lantern book, let's put it that. Let's start with that. If we only have one Green Lantern book, then it's going to be real hard unless we have some of these characters spun off into just different Justice League books or something else. If we have all of these human lanterns, they're all going to they're going to get shortchanged because and let alone the other alien lanterns are going to get shortchanged. So there's kind of a problem. Now, there's also a problem if you put them in different cores, because, again, if you don't have a platform to show them off and then, then, then they're also being being buried. I think because they've expanded a lot so much, it's hard to imagine them all being green unless you're going to constantly, which you could still do, unless you're going to constantly be telling stories that every single arc is going to be a combination of different of different combinations of the main characters. And you can and you work in some alien lanterns too, but it's always going to be like, well, we have these core like six or seven characters, human lanterns, and two or three of them are going to be at least a focal point in the next arc, and then whatever that arc happens to be. But you're still taking a lot of them off the table for long periods of time or for just cameo roles in the stories. So I, I think you probably would be better off having some in different cores. It's pretty, I think it's pretty straightforward that we both wish they'd take Simon off. And the Black Lantern core would be really good for Simon. 
But other than, but I like Jessica. I still don't really see Joe as a member of the Green Lantern Corps, but up to this point, it makes sense because she really hasn't been. So let's see what, let's see what her role is going forward. Yeah, I, I don't know that this, it can, this one can really go either way. If I had to give one answer, I probably would say I would, I would not mind having a few of them at least spun off and go into two different cores, including whether that makes Kyle White again or Guy Red or Jessica Yellow. And again, it's not like it's not like you can't have some of these characters be different core members and and then still work with the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, I don't know. The way the question is worded is like, would you rather like them all on the Green Lantern Corps or if they're going to be on other cores, then all of them have to be on other cores. Um, If that's the choice, then I want them all to be Green Lanterns. But I would have no problem keeping everybody a Green Lantern, but making Kyle the White Lantern and making Guy a Red Lantern. And killing Simon. (laughs) Killing Simon. But uh, yeah, that's that's. Uh, but I, I just there's so much more to explore with Guy on that that team and that team that he that he came to know about himself, work out within himself, uh, expand his character a bit more, um, as well as just the the team that he built and those relationships that he built. Um, there's 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 a lot more potential there that you could tell with those stories, and I'd like to see that. And then Kyle is the White Lantern. You know, I, I've always said again and again and again. Kyle, I like the idea of Kyle being a torchbearer of some kind. And when he was Ion, it made sense. When he was the only member of a core, it made sense. When he was a White Lantern, it made sense. But the only one of something is, I think, something that that Kyle, unwantingly, but excels at, no matter what. Uh, and I'd like to see him do that some more. I'd like to, I'd like him to be sort of the captain of his own destiny in that sense. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with that. I don't think it's written in stone that Kyle has to be some that you have to stretch, stretch it so far to make Kyle unique, but he doesn't, but it doesn't have to be stretched. I mean, they didn't, despite what they even said in the beginning of this thorn series, the reality is there's no reason to think that Kyle lost his torchbearer ability based on what he, what was given to him previously by other guardians or what is inherent in him uh, maybe it's again maybe it has to be under the right circumstance maybe it does have to be in touch with the green entity again for it to happen but regardless there's no reason just because they say it that because they're taking away honorary titles and things like that that's not what kyle wasn't really the torchbearer because it was an honorary title you know he was a torchbearer because he was the last one at one point and then because the guardians told him that well do you still are the torchbearer because because if anything ever happens to us again as long as you're alive you can bring us back that's why yeah. those two reasons are why he's a torchbearer. So that was good enough. The White Lantern, he was cool as the White Lantern, though, again, how they made him the White Lantern was kind of lame. Him mastering the spectrum, which is not necessarily how you you would think you'd become a White Lantern anyway. But it was unique. And they never really explored, as Dan would be the first to tell you, that they never, they've never been consistent about White Lantern abilities to begin with, other than getting it wrong constantly. It's like, I, oh, I can't resurrect. Yeah, you can, Kyle. That's the main thing. That's like checkbox number one of a white lantern. So I do agree. It's not Kyle should ever. I have no issue with Kyle having a, a unique place, whether it's honor guard, whatever. But I think I don't know if they necessarily always have to go out of the way to come up with something brand new in a brand new unique wise to make him that or to or else some people are not going to be happy. All right. right. The last one. The last question. What do you think of the death of the Justice League? 
And he said, uh, which is obviously uh, for Dan, the way he's phrasing that. Yeah. I'm guessing you'll talk about it in the video, but personally I'm mixed. I think it's hilarious that Thorne put in a whole year of comics to make John as important and powerful as possible. And then he probably dies immediately. I like the idea of the, the Trinity being taken off the table for the legacy heroes to take over, but the future state justice league lineup is the last thing I want. Uh, instead, what do you want the team to look like? So as far as the death of the justice league is concerned, I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm one of those people who look, I love green lantern, um, but I'm also a big DC comics fan. And one of my favorite characters is Ragman. Like, and by the way, just the other day, uh, I bought the first appearance, uh, not the first real appearance, the first Silver Age appearance. Come on. Uh, <laughs> the first appearance, Silver Age appearance of Martian Manhunter. Uh, I have the first appearance of the demon now. Uh, like I love, I love the, the C, the D, the, the E <laughs> even characters of the DC universe. And I am all for the idea of let's take Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman off the table and hell, I'd even be willing to give up Flash, GL, blah, 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 Aquaman to get more of the rest of the DC universe. Uh, the, the characters we haven't seen in years, but miss. Uh, I, I would love that. So, um, look, uh, is it interesting? Honestly, I don't know that it's funny in, in, per se about uh giving thorn john making him essentially a god and then killing him first of all we don't know for sure that they're killing john it's pretty heavily implied um just based on what we've seen so far but even if they do uh that's nothing new we know all the time that uh especially from interviews we've had on this very show that the editors won't tell you <laughs> what's going on even when it impacts your own book until the last second so, uh, yeah, it's, I don't understand why that hasn't been fixed in the industry at this point, but I guess it's just so old hat that it's just how things are done. It'd be interesting. You know, there's, it seems like there's a lot of how on that, uh, on some of those images. So I'm curious to see what his role in it is. Expect uh, it to be minor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, honestly, at the end of the day, I'm just interested mostly in dark crisis. The death of the Justice League obviously should really be its own thing, but let's be honest, it's just the lead-in for Dark Crisis. So I'm curious about it. Um, as far as what I would want the team to be, I mean, God, it's, Dark Crisis is gonna is gonna end, and either immediately things are gonna get back to normal, or within six months things will be back to normal. One of the two is gonna happen. So <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about who I'd put on the team. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the idea. Obviously, I mean, let's be honest. This is clearly what this edit this editorial group, this group in power now is certainly like the anti the they're the anti Dan DiDio as far as like what their focus is. So they clearly want even they they want to do a lot of things with next gen, and they want to pave the way and make people more accepting on certain levels. Clearly, of a non traditional lineup of justice league and focusing on different heroes in each one of these books and playing with the status quo of who these characters are that's been a big focal point of what's been going on going on certainly it's not like it never happened under the, the do's run but it certainly has been kicked up dialed up to 11 since he got the boot that i certainly don't want to see like oh yes we want we want to see the the justice league replacement team of uh of lucius fox's kid and and john kent and and Damien and whatever. I mean, it's like, yeah, that, that, that has no appeal to me whatsoever. I mean, and 
we've kind of been down this road a lot with with like I said with 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 the storytelling and it's like it has no appeal to me whatsoever. The only thing interesting about the death of the Justice League is that is that whole team has basically is being put together by the Great Darkness, you know, with with Nec- with Necron and and uh, Doomsday and all these characters that are supposed to be part of it. That makes it intriguing because it certainly would be a worthwhile team that would quote unquote kill the Justice League. Though they're probably not going to be dead to begin with. They're probably just going to be sent elsewhere. So I don't know. I mean, I am somewhat interested in Dark Crisis. Almost all of these crises have sucked, to be perfectly honest, that they've done. So it's hard to really get super pumped over it. I mean, yeah. I think the last one I think they did that I really liked was Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis was pretty damn good. And I mean, Convergence was a piece of crap, but I, I only liked it because of how important how as Parallax's role was. <laughs> and because they, again, they seemingly gave they, the... The parallax, the Hal Jordan parallax, zero hour parallax, a, mo- a golden opportunity for redemption before, of course, let's flush it down the toilet in two seconds. And the Talos book and the uh, the Talos book and and then when Venditti brought him back into Green Lantern. So most of the, it's hard to be pumped about this. And I think this Omniverse stuff is like I think there's a lot of crap going on as far as the, how everything how everything exists. And but and I don't know, I is opportunities there for good storytelling a complete lack of continuity i don't, I don't think ever really works long term i think it just leads to confusion even now with the way it seems like it's not going to have a direct effect on a lot of the main books that are going on with whatever happens in justice league 75 i don't know mm-hmm. i i it's i'm i'm pretty lukewarm about the whole thing let's see let's let let's see how it let's see how it plays out yeah all right, that's it for Ken's questions. Um, but I was thinking about it because uh, this is the only feedback we were going to get into. And honestly, I was thinking about reviews. Like, when was the last time we we talked we talked about reviews on the show? So I just thought I'd, I jumped on over to Apple Podcasts and I pulled up our show as if I'm not already subscribed. So I looked at it like you know somebody who would find it in the search results looked at it, and I checked out the the reviews. Um, the last review of note I, I I recognized was from like three years ago. And then the more recent one was from a year. So I don't remember having spoken about any reviews in the past year. So I figured we'd talk about it. And the reason, guys, we don't talk about these is we don't get emails when you leave us reviews. So if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen to us on, if you leave us a review somewhere, we're not going to get like an email notification or anything. So we would love for you to tell us if you've left us a review email us and let us know lanterncast at gmail.com because we otherwise we're just gonna like oh yeah we haven't checked that in a long time maybe let's see if there's anything new there so speaking of over on apple podcast one year ago from our friend dowd the title of the review awesome number of stars five the review says the only gl podcast i listen to Uh, Also from a year ago from a username Green Lantern Prime, the title Jumping Off, only two stars. He says, used to really enjoy this podcast until Chad's rant about Comicsgate. Not sure if it came from him wanting to shill DC, not wanting to see what is in front of him, or if he just hasn't seen the evidence himself, but it totally turned me off. The new heads of DC literally have quote unquote activists in their social media bios bios, and how the pros still talk to anyone they don't agree with 
And now the pros still talk to anyone they go and agree with. The story ideas and art are at levels below what I would expect from preschoolers. To ignore this and worst of all, endorse it is more than I can stomach. Okay, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, I still don't support Connor Skate, and I have no problems with that. And I have not reversed my position on it. So he's not going to hear it because uh, if uh, if he did, then he would be counterintuiting his own review here saying he's leaving. So bye. Like I don't do this for the praise, guys. So you know, if you don't agree, if you don't agree with me, whatever. Bye. See ya. You're not hurting my feelings, and I'll talk more about that a little bit later. <laughs> um, but yeah, everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and. Uh, Go ahead. See you later. I don't know, Mark, if you wanted to chime in or we're just going to move on. I think let's, let's just let's just move on for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this is pronounced Omega Lazarus, like, but it's L-A-S-R-I-S. Lazarus, that's the username. Uh, title of the review is awesome. So much like Dowd. Uh, the review is, and it's five stars, uh, great show with amazing hosts, extremely knowledgeable about Green Lantern and definitely not afraid to be critical when it's needed. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, Cyclone Johnson a year ago, give them a listen, the title and five stars. I only recently got into Green Lantern, been more of a Marvel guy and only read a few DC titles. I'm glad I found this podcast because the hosts are very knowledgeable and the production is good. I'm going to be spending a good amount of time catching up with past episodes. Thank you. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> I, I always find it weird when people tell us we're knowledgeable because, like, I still haven't finished that Green Lantern reread project I keep saying I'm going to do. You know what I mean? So, like, I always feel we do this podcast and we've done it for so long. Like, I almost feel like it's a failure that I haven't read every Green Lantern issue ever made at this point. <laughs> we have so, area, we have areas of strength, and that's where it helps. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> And the last one is called uh, New Listener from uh, user Rel Radio, five stars. Just recently found the show via Twitter, and I'm not disappointed. While, yes, they talk Green Lantern, my fave, they also talk about other things happening in the fun comic entertainment world. Highly suggest giving them a listen. Thank you very much. We appreciate the feedback, especially since, yes, we not just based on, based on interest, out of necessity, based on the 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 dark horizon of Green Lantern material <laughs> being coming out that it's good that we that we are comfortable and and it's I'm not saying everybody obviously I'm sure there are some people that would prefer we don't do as much non Green Lantern stuff but at least there seems to be a decent percentage of the audience at least if they don't appreciate it they at least understand it and we appreciate that <laughs> for sure and speaking of uh, ways for people to give us feedback I guess I have a, an announcement huh. You're resigning, Chad? No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do your, do your, do your, do your uh, <laughs> uh, I made a poll over on Twitter and I asked people, if we're going to start up something, should we do it over on Discord or should we do it over on Reddit? Now, most people voted Reddit and I appreciate everyone's opinion. But at the end of the day, I was sitting here thinking about it and just the amount of control that you have within a Discord, uh, the opportunity to create various channels within your Discord uh, much like a forum used to be, the ability to make other people moderators or, or something like that. Like I, I know you can technically kind of do that on Reddit, but Reddit is more like a, a timeline thread, much like Facebook or, or Twitter. Uh, and at the end of the day, Discord just sort of matched that feel that the older forums that we all used to have 
Uh, I mean, guys, the, by November of this year, this this podcast will be 14 years old. So some of you are like Ro, who we mentioned in the review found us recently on Twitter. This podcast back in the day used to have its home over on the Comic Geek Speak forums. We had our own little side forum over there. And then when that got shut down, we created our own uh, forum. And then that server, I think, eventually got shut down. But the way that was set up is we all had we, we had channels for um, talking about speculation, channels to talk about spoilers about the latest issue. Like Mark used to be on some of those forums. Uh, there was a lot of fun that we had, some really good community building we had over there back then. That is true. Yeah. Didn't you used to have a channel even just talking about the game? Oh God, I don't remember. I actually don't. I want to say no, actually, but I don't know. It's been so long ago since that game. Was- I remember you posting updates about the latest new thing that was added to the game. I thought that was on Facebook, though. Was it? I don't. But honestly, you could be absolutely right. I'm telling you, this, at this stage, because it's been so, it's been so long. I mean, it could have been the forum. It could have been the forum because yes, I think because I do remember posting stuff. I just don't remember. If it was anything that was somewhat regular during the time that game was active, that I don't remember posting that much. But you could you you could be correct. But yeah. Um, so we have a Discord right now. We have some people in there. Uh, we have 12, 13, 14. We have 16 people total. Uh, well, actually, 15 people total signed up for the. Um, the lantern cast forum. These are more regulars, people we talk to quite often, interact with us on Twitter a lot, stuff like that. We're going to open it up to listeners because the only way you're going to know, I'm not posting the link or anything on Twitter, at least yet. So the only way uh, any of you are going to know to email and ask for the link to the Discord will be because you're actually listening to our podcast. So I trust you guys. We'll email lanterncast at gmail.com. Ask for the link to the Discord, and we'll respond and give you that link. Obviously, general rules apply. Be kind to people. Don't start bullshit. Like, you know, we're, we'll have full control in there. And not only uh, do our Mark and I full admins, but I've also made um, like Myron and Phil and Corwin and Dan and Jim. I made all of those people admins. So if anybody's acting up, we have enough people out there who can shut that shit down real quick uh, and, and get us back on track. Just, it's going to be a fun space guys. Like, uh, and, and that kind of circles me back around to like, if you don't agree with me, I don't, I don't care sort of a thing. We're at the, there was somebody acting up over on Twitter and I don't even say the guy's new username or, or, or give him an, any attention, but this guy has been showing up because I follow the hashtag green lantern on Twitter under the lantern cast account. It's a good way to keep up about what people are talking about, what, what's interesting them. And that's a good thing for a podcast to follow because if something Green Lantern is trending, you know, it just makes sense to, if we're struggling for maybe an episode idea, do an episode about that thing that's trending. It's going to get us more attention. Now, we don't make any money off this show, but it's always good to reach out to more and more people, expand the audience as we go. Um, so I noticed this one name showing up in the replies all the time, just starting arguments about why how Jordan is the best and why people are stupid if they believe otherwise or blah, blah, blah. And he kept posting screenshots of various uh, issues from the past and to, as a way to make his point, but he's being extremely aggressive and toxic the entire time. And like, at the end of the day, like Mark and I, we'll have we'll have healthy debates on here. We'll we can get into straight up arguments on this show about continuity 
And like, we don't like Simon Baz, but I guarantee like the difference is if you come on this show and tell us you like Simon Baz, first of all, if you're a friend of ours, we're going to roast you and give you a little crap. Right. But if we don't know you, great. You like Simon. I don't. Wonderful. <laughs> like, I'm not mad at you for liking Simon. You should have been, shouldn't be mad at me for not. I respect your, I'm glad you enjoy it. You have a good one. But for me to like start a fight with you and push and push and push and push because I'm right. How's the best? How's the best? How's the best? We're talking about comic books, people. It's not that fucking serious. So I'm not, I'm just, I'm not taking like a specific stance on a specific issue sort of a thing. I'm just operating that discord right now under a no bullshit policy as in we're talking comic books. People have opinions, respect those opinions, respect the people you're talking to. If you're going to have a debate, make it respectful and healthy and stop coming after people. Because again, it's comics. It's not that fucking serious. And I don't know, Mark, maybe I'm just getting old, but that's just my approach to life at this point is just like, I'm not taking on other people's drama. I got enough of my own. At the end of the day, what you're coming to me with isn't even that important. Shut up. Let's just get along. <laughs> no, you're you're basically right when it comes to this. We've talked about this a lot on, on the show. Just in general, as a societal statement, we can people should be able to disagree on issues. And the problem, I think, part of the issue is people just they they kind of We've kind of gotten to a point where so many people have combined their like the essence of who they are with their opinion. So that means if you're if I disagree with your opinion about something or your stand on, a, on an issue, that means like somehow I'm like I'm mortally offending you as opposed to just saying, well, we, we disagree on an issue. Precisely. So, that, I, so I think that's what is that's part of the issue of why people are so intolerant because of the fact that they inherently take things personally when someone disagrees. And then, of course, oftentimes being personal and let's 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 try to assassinate the character of the of the shoot the messenger concept of who we're talking to so because if we can completely dis, discredit the messenger then we don't have to deal with the message no matter how because maybe that's like going to be a lot harder to do because they kind of have points that can be made but we won't if we destroy the messenger then we don't have to be bothered yeah so in case you haven't figured it out on many levels the world's a cesspool we understand this but let's 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 try to not add to it if we can yeah that's and that's exactly the point and this is why i'm doing a slow rollout of the discord it would have been very easy to when i announced that we had a discord on twitter also post the link and just let the floodgates open but i added the people that matter first the, the like and by that guys Everybody matters, but like if we're going to start a Lantern Cast Discord, you're damn sure the first invites are going to Corwin, Jim, Dan, Mark, and myself. And then immediately after, the other podcasters like the Donnie, the Emerald Enthusiast, or Myron, or Phil, like those guys for sure, they've got to be a part of a Green Lantern community being built. And then our regulars over on Twitter. I told people to message us. We got a few messages. That's why we we grew this thing up. But it's the people who follow in us who care enough to message us to ask. So now my next step is telling the listeners, email lanterncast at gmail.com and ask for the Discord link and we'll get it to you because clearly you listen to us. Thank you for listening. Here's your reward early access to the discord eventually we'll open it up for more and more people but i'm for now i'm trying to be really purposeful with this and uh and slow build so that we can really 
get a sense of the community that we're building, maybe, maybe new channels that need to be added that aren't currently in there and make sure we find a space and a home for people for various topics. And once that is really in place and we're all sort of in a groove and that community's popping and people are, are really speaking with each other each day, then we'll just be like, all right, guys, here's the link. Anybody who wants to join or invite their friends who think it'd be great to the community, we'll do that. But right now, if we just open the link, people are just going to click the link to have the link in their discord and all sorts of bots and shit are going to start posting stuff. And I'm not ready for the floodgates of managing all of that right now. So let's, uh, let's, let's slow build and be very purposeful about the community we're building over there. And discord has been around, dude, discord has been around for a long time. And it's a tool that people use for like, first of all, it's one of probably the main supportive tools that are used by like Twitch streamers because they have communities that they build. And then in order to invite people on to game with them, they usually connect via an audio discord call when they're streaming. Like it's a huge tool. So unlike the forums that we had in the past, which were single serve, like kind of server type things, very temporary discord's got a track record. So hopefully this will be a community that we can keep around. Could be fun. For sure. For sure. Um, Other than that, I think that's it. So people, Email us if they want the Discord link. And other than that, how can they contact us, Mark? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Hashtag GLCast to track us down there. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And it, please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. And as as Chad mentioned, email us and let us know if you do that, too, so we can be sure to we can acknowledge your acknowledgement of us. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-Lantern or text 708-Lantern and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. About what? I have no idea. Yes, neither do. Trust. Nobody does. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night.